We can choose to look at what's missing or we can choose to look at what God has given and what he's put there. As mentioned it this morning, talking with someone that there are many churches this morning in our community that are not meeting. Uh, talk with many of the pastors and a number of them are not going to, it's not going to be till July, maybe August before they're back. And we could talk about oh, the different things that we're missing or how we have to do it, something different. But we're here. God is here. And He's good. And we just need to have that choice. And today, I just want us to take in our moment of of prayer here, to take time to praise Him, to thank Him. Not not thinking about what isn't, but what is. And He is. He is always there. He is always working and moving in our lives in some way, even throughout this time. I'd encourage you, if you have a special testimony, uh, to maybe write it down, send it to me, or even uh, record it on your phone. But for right now, this is not about us testifying, it's about us praising. And so, uh, let's just start it out. Whoever, I mean, uh, I would just ask, as you lift up a prayer of praise or thanksgiving right now, I would just ask that you could uh, do it loud enough for those of us who have hearing aids, uh, have enough trouble hearing that we might be able to hear you uh, and not just your private prayer voice, but to, to lift it out loud, what you have to be thankful. How is God good? And even if it's just, God, I thank you for your love. I can't think of anything else this morning, everything else and the way it is, but thank you that your love is always there. So let's go to prayer right now. Just lift, out, lift it up where you're at. Lord, I thank you that you are always good. Even Job, in the midst of all that he went through, he lift up his soul to you and bless the Lord. Bless you. There is nothing we deserve from you our very breath this very next breath is a gift from you and if our breath is a gift from you then anything else that is around us anything else that we have is a gift help us to stop looking about uh, what is not and what is missing and to see what is But help us not to somehow just change and have a positive attitude, but that we would have a real attitude that recognizes that our God is still seated upon the throne. You are. And there is nothing outside of what you see, what you know, what you are doing, and wanting to work in and through us. Give us a heart of praise and thanksgiving for you are worthy. Lord, give us eyes to see beyond this world and help us to have eyes 
that look up to you and you alone. Lead us in this time as we open your word. Speak as only you can. Not not only to those who are gathered here in this place, but to those who are online. You desire to speak to each of us. We are in a relationship with you, and it's not just one way. And so, Lord, we say, speak. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you would, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. We'll look at the scripture reading as we get into the word here this morning. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and held everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. As we get started back up here in our on-site service, so to speak. We're taking a look at what has gotten started here in the book of Acts, the church, as they just begin, as they're just getting it going. And we've been talking throughout this series that how to live our faith in line with what God wants while we're still doing faith online. Now, I know we're here, but the reality is that some of the things we're doing, there's uh, a you, you know, different ones that are still doing things online and doing through different ways, and that's still happening. So how do we live that faith? And one of the ways that we can figure out how to live that faith is get back to the basis, to get back to the foundational uh, principles and practices, the priorities of the church as it began here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And, and it begins with what? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It says, to the apostles' teaching, not just to the word, but to the teaching of the word, which in many ways probably dealt with Jesus like we have and we eventually received in the Gospels uh, there because there were people who came to know Christ on that day of Pentecost who had never really known or had heard him and, and all around to know so much more about who Christians should be focusing on Christ. And so they shared about that. The original word, didache, is a word that doesn't mean sometimes what we've made it to mean as we've looked at things in in church and our our way of doing it. In fact, it deals with a teaching that causes you to to learn, but to learn in a way that is not like a classroom activity. In other words, this word that the apostles' teaching was not to somehow communicate a classroom setting where you're, you're learning the, the, the facts and the information and, and a bunch of theological knowledge. 
In fact, those who read the King James, it doesn't say that in others, but in the King James, it uses the word doctrine, and therefore in a number of other places it uses the word doctrine. Not that that word is wrong there, it's just that in King James' time, the meaning of doctrine is something different than it means today in our current Christian culture. When we talk about doctrine in our Christian culture, we're talking about things that are, are different than what this word is saying here. Because this word has to do with a practical teaching that has to do with demonstrating or showing or leading to a more, and I will say more transformational, how to live. An example of it, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Disciples come to Jesus and they say, teach us to pray. That word that they use when they say teach us to pray is the same word when it's talking about the apostles' teaching. Teach us to pray, teach us here. This apostle's teaching were when they said Jesus teaches to pray. When the disciples asked him, they weren't saying, hey, Jesus, could you go through the doctrine of prayer and the way we use the word? Could you go through uh, a systematic theology about prayer throughout everything and kind of know they were saying, Jesus. I mean, we've heard this and that and, and, and we know, certain, but teach us to pray, not to sit around and learn about prayer, but teach us how to live prayer like you do this is part of the foundational core of what was going on to what the church was about another foundational principle another foundational practice of the early church was the last part there the last words in verse 42 pray it's a a word that's used there that's used many places throughout the word as prayer was essential to the early church. In fact, the early church started because of prayer. Uh, in, in a sense, obviously the Holy Spirit came down, but what did Jesus do? He told them to go and to wait. And they spent and they prayed. And it continued on. The reason the church continued was because of prayer. Not prayer just sitting around in their own private prayer closet, but continuing in prayer corporately together with others. They prayed. In fact, Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 says to be devoted in prayer. Devote yourselves to prayer. So there are two priorities that we just talked about. The word and worship. If you've noticed, that's something that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, through weeks that we've done through this series. We've talked about the word. Get in our life in line with the word, with word of God, not just what it says, but in the word of God. Get in our life in line with with worship. But there's one more, at least right here. One more that for some people has been relegated to a footnote, a religious add-on to religion. Missing out what Christianity is really about. You see, right in the middle of they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer is to fellowship and the breaking of bread. Right in the middle of that is fellowship, and yet for so many, fellowship is an add-on to the, the, at least those who choose, the committed Christian upgrade package. You know what I mean? Did you did you get that? I don't know if you got that in the mail. You know, you get this. The committed upgrade package comes with fellowship. 
Yeah. This is foundational. Right here. It's right between those two is something that is foundational and it is a fellowship. And we need to grasp the primary importance of fellowship as verse 42 says as it begins. It says they devoted themselves. It didn't say, "Eh, you know what, they... They did some optional things. If they had time, they decided they'd do this. It wasn't, hey, they're just checking off some religious duty. This is about getting serious about foundational items of the faith. The early church practiced and gave us example and shows us that they were devoted to. That word devoted to means to persist, to keep on, keeping on with an intense effort, even despite difficulty, to diligently hold fast, to press all out. And most of us can understand that as it deals with prayer. We say, I get devoted to prayer, being persistent in prayer. To just keep pressing into God. Yes, yes, yes. And then we talk about as it deals with the word of God. Yes, we, need to, we really need to hold fast and be devoted to studying the word of God. I get that. Yes, yes and amen. But for some reason, we do not have the same kind of devotion that is a persistent priority when it comes to fellowship. But it's essential. It's on the list right there. Not to mention throughout the word. It was already the trend. Let's face it. It was already the trend for some people to isolate themselves before COVID. To pack their life so full that there's really not room for others beyond a little circle of family and a few friends. And we really don't see that as a problem, especially it comes to church and, and people and fellowship there. Yeah, I, my faith is good. I, I you know, I, I'm reading the word. I even listen to some teachings here and there uh, in, in various ways. I'm praying. I, and, and not just at meals, because yes, some people pray. Yeah, I pray every time we sit down together to eat. No, I really pray. Okay, we're devoted to both of those, but we've allowed this worldly cultural mindset to, to just fit, that we get a Christianity that fits our lifestyle and views, which is not really Christianity. That's why sometimes it's a churchianity. Instead of fitting our lifestyles and views to Christianity and what God describes in his word, what he has planned for us, what is essential is fellowship. And in so many places, but especially as we're pulling apart verse 42 in this passage right here, they devoted themselves to all those things and they devoted themselves to fellowship. And say that's what we're going to talk about, making sure that we get in line with God's word, especially as it deals with uh, getting our fellowship in line. In fact, if we were to summarize... I don't know how it jumped all the way to there, guys. Um, Let's see if we can get it. uh, As we're trying to get our lives together, recognizing one of the things that we need as a church to get back to a fellowship that is living our lives together in deeply connected relationships. And, And what... As we start, let's just begin with the first part of that. This is kind of like the summary. If you're going to get this, here it is. Let's begin with the first part. The first part is we need a fellowship that involves living our lives together. The religious thinking of fellowship 
has limited not only our understanding, but the religious, and I want you to hear what I'm saying, the religious thinking of fellowship has not only limited our understanding, it has limited our experience that God intended for us to have. What do I mean by that? Most of the time, maybe, probably not for any of you because you, you're just great people, right? But most of the time, when you hear the word fellowship, it's used in some different ways like, hey, I want you to join us for our coffee fellowship. You know, come over to the holy grounds or the, the common grounds coffee bar where he brews. Right? And then after you're done at the coffee fellowship, why don't you make your way over to the fellowship hall where we will have a fellowship dinner. It's the way we use the word. We see fellowship is really just standing with a drink and a donut in our hand and talking with somebody for 10 minutes on a Sunday morning and that's not even every Sunday because we're not here. When that's our definition of fellowship, it's no wonder that we don't see it as essential priority. When that religious definition is what we think it is, then, I mean, I like standing around with the donut in my hand and talking to people, but being devoted to that... But that's not what fellowship is. That's not what it's talking about here. It's an unbiblical definition. Hanging out or attending some of the same event just because there are other Christians there. Fellowship is not something that the early church had to program. They didn't have to program it. It was something that just happened because it was a part of their DNA. It was a part of who they were. In Christ. I know some in the past, not just those who are, who are thinking differently now about the church, but even in the past there were those that would come and, and just talk about, you know, I, getting together as a church family, and that's fine, pastor is all, you know, uh, but, you know, it should be for Bible studies or a service. Of course, if you have a service, you throw a couple hymns in there if you have to. Uh, but but that's, we don't need any more than that. It's just a certain definition of what it really was about. And when you talk about, hey, let's have a, a church dinner. And we can get together. Well, pff, I'm not going to church dinner. That's pointless. I'm thinking, that's biblical. Acts chapter 2. Not only that it says to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer, but look down at verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Yeah, but, 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 but I don't really need to, I, I don't need to, nor do I want to get together with others. And there's so many that have just confused again a churchianity with a biblical Christianity inserting their own personal preferences, buying into a consumeristic attitude. It's all about what do you want. And it sounds so right. Why wouldn't it? Because we are right. Which is really interesting when you bring everybody like that to the church table and they're all right and they all went their way. Like Burger King. 
Or you think the church is Burger King. Or you can have it your way. You know, have it your way. You know what? Hold the fries. Hold the fellowship. But put an extra patty of the meat of the word on the sandwich. The church is not Burger King. But it does belong to the king. The king, Jesus, who bought it with his own blood. So many times we say, oh yeah, I know Jesus died for me on the cross. And with his blood he bought me. But you know what? The word of God says that he bought the church. Not just me, not just you, but the actual church. He bought with his own blood. We read here in verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and good, and they gave to everyone as he had need. And every day they continued to meet together at temple courts. They broke bread in homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. As you read this over and over again, you see the word together, 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 living life together, a community, having something in common, the word that's used there, working together, living the Christian life together. So then when we haven't been able to get together on a Sunday morning, that should not mean that fellowship was not happening. Because God intended for fellowship to be much more than chatting briefly on a Sunday morning over a cup of coffee. For all that matters, just because people show up together doesn't mean fellowship is happening. Fellowship, like the other priorities that we've been talking about, is not the word and the worship fellowship is not passive worship doesn't just happen to you the word uh, the word of god doesn't just happen to you we've talked in the last few weeks that both of those it, it needs to happen through you so too with fellowship doesn't just happen to you fellowship must happen through you actively engaging in fellowship as together we do and live life as God called us to, reaching up, reaching in, reaching out. There's a sense that even though we're back together in a limited way here, let's make the decision that we're going to fully live out fellowship by living our lives, not just now and right here and what takes place after this, but throughout the week in those times when we're still apart, in those times when we're still doing faith online, so to speak. You know, we have technology today that they never had in those days. Technology that makes it possible to do some of these things that God's asked us to do in different ways than they could never have dreamed of. It's there. Even if it's just to pick up a phone, to call someone. If you give a text, that it be something more than just that and lead to something more. There are other ways to talk and to communicate, to try to connect and live our life together with others. I mean, just getting a card or a note to do the Zoom, the Skypes, all kinds of different things that are available to us. It doesn't have to be complicated. Just give someone a call and say, hey, I'd like to pray for you. How can I do that? Boom. I'm going to blow some people's minds that you called not for anything other than just to pray for them. To connect. Not only that way, but to connect in through small groups. 
Uh, obviously, we have the larger time, but to connect in the smaller groups as well. The early church in Acts chapter 2, we read at the verse 47, And the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. And we know that 3,000 were added to the, their number just even in one day. So they met together in larger groups, so to speak. There was all those larger times in the different place. But there was also where it says that they met in smaller groups, in homes, getting together, living even for many life groups that we have going on now. And, and we've talked about getting involved in those or, or seeing others around. In fact, uh, when we were at the phase where it was 25 or less, we put out a survey encouraging people, listen, hey... We can get together in 24 or less. How about we do that in homes together and watch online and, and, and participate together? And some of you responded and you, you turned something in. And hopefully you kind of got uh, the idea that you haven't got a response back because people who are going to host that are here. You know, they're, they're not at their homes now. They're here. And this is that opportunity. But it doesn't mean to give up that thought of of getting and doing life in a, in a group with others or just maybe it's not a life group a ministry group or a special interest where jesus can be the center and, and if you're not a part of that you know, well how do i what do i do who who do i have how, who do i have biblical fellowship with pray ask god even in this moment now perhaps there's a face there's a person that comes to your mind somebody and we need to increase to become the biblical fellowship, not just the religious definition. Who's someone that you've talked to in the past uh, on Sundays that you, it's like most Sundays you would see them and you would at least talk a little bit? Nothing beyond that. Who does God want you to fellowship? How about that person that you really haven't had the contact with? By the way, those who are watching online... And, and some of you are watching online because your home church is not, was not meeting in person and didn't have anything online for you. And we're glad that you've joined us. We really are. It's been exciting to have so many different people joining us online. But I want to say this to you who are watching. If your church is meeting together and there's no real reason for you to stay home, I want to encourage you to be a part of your fellowship that God has placed you in. You are an important part to them, just like every one of our church is important to us, to be a part and to put into practice this fellowship, being with them in whatever way you can. As we do this, let's not stop short of true fellowship that is living our lives and what living our lives together means. You see, when we get together with other believers, we're having a good time or whatever it is, there should be a difference between our get-together and a bunch of atheists getting together and having fun. And I'm not saying, oh, well, yeah, those atheists, they're all sinners, you know what they're doing. No. <laughs> Sitting around and playing Yahtzee, I don't know. Is that allowed? Right? There should be a difference. And we're getting together with one another. Biblical fellowship is not just together with one another. It's together with Jesus. Matthew 18, verse 24, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. 
Wherever we go, we are bringing Christ along with us. Jesus is right there in the middle of it all, in the middle of the fun, in the middle of the food. We need to acknowledge his presence is there with us. I mean, just think about it. If you spent uh, the day, half the day with three different people, I mean, the three different people, and you are traveling together, but one of those persons you never talked to, you never listened to, you didn't even look at them, are they going to think something's up? And is Jesus that person sometimes in our midst? We don't need to wait until we gather together for some religious event to acknowledge Jesus in our midst, to talk about him, to talk to him, to live our lives together. In Acts chapter 2 here in verse 42, as it talks about fellowship and it talks about the meeting in homes and even this breaking of bread, it seems to, to lead us to see that they are also talking about the Lord's Supper. When they got together, the fellowship was even in their food, as you look at in 1 Corinthians 11, is that they often would having meals together, but that meal would at somewhere and somehow would lead into the Lord's Supper. As often as you do this, you do it remembering His death, remembering what He's done. And so their times were together in their homes were not just them, but they recognized the presence of Christ there. It should change knowing that each of us brings Jesus with us, so to speak, and we're two or three are gathered. It should change what we do. It should change how we do it. It should change what transpires. You don't suddenly have to pull out the Bible and start, well, I have a word right here that I'd like to preach to you all. You know, let's just stop. Uh, let's just stop throwing them little bags across the lawn here for a moment. No. That's not what I'm talking about. But just to recognize your presence, to share a testimony. I mean, we're saying we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. And we're all saying that. Shouldn't we talk about the one we love? I mean, shouldn't there be something like, God, this week, man, he, I, I just, uh, this is what happened. This is what God did for me. This is great. Even if at the very least, at the end, we say, hey, how about we, we pray together? before we all head out here. We've had our fun, we've had our food and all that, but how about we pray together? And, and not one of those, Joe, would you close us in prayer? You know, and Joe just kind of uh, says some quick little prayer. But to actually pray together as fellowship is really about, to pray for one another in some way. Acknowledging Christ in our midst. Now, hopefully, in in talking about this, uh, there's not somebody thinking, you know what, and Pastor, that's like you're throwing a wet blanket on all our fun. You know, Jesus is not a wet blanket. Jesus is what brings us together. We're not talking about making something religious. We're talking about Jesus who gives us that thing that we have in common to begin with. Acknowledging that he is in the room. 
And that His presence doesn't take away the joy, but adds to it. We need a fellowship that involves living our lives together, but let's move on to the second point. We need a fellowship that involves deeply connected relationships. You may have heard that the original Greek word that's used here for fellowship, and we don't, I don't usually share those because most people don't have the... But you probably heard this one somewhere along the line if you've been in churches, koinonia. Koinonia, the word that's used for fellowship. Ultimately, it's not about some action or activity that we do together. It is really about a relationship. It's not just about having warm feelings for one another. It's about having a real relationship that connects deep, deeper and contributes to one another's best. As you read and study the Word of God, it's clear that that God that God created us for community. From the very beginning in Genesis to the beginning of the church, we were meant to live a faith that does not go it alone. Despite our independent streak, God has called us to dependent relationships. In fact, God himself didn't give us a choice in that. I know some people are like, well, choose fellowship. You know what? God didn't give us a choice. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter... Oh, we, we read in, in 1 Corinthians... This is moving really faster than I am. In 12, 18, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. God, it says in that 1 Corinthians 12, verse 18... God specifically took the parts, which is us, and placed them in the body, placed us next to one another, connected us. He put us there. It wasn't, hey, now that you're, now that you're a follower of me, would you like to be you know, put in a fellowship, a body? No. It says he put us there. He put us in the place. And he put us in place to help fulfill a multitude of commands throughout the word of God that can only be fulfilled in conjunction with other believers. When we take out fellowship from our Bibles, we might as well take out a whole lot of other things that God has prescribed as his will for us, that God has given us a commands that we should be doing, that we can only be done in fellowship, so to speak. Uh, and that's what you saw just a moment ago. I'll move on to the, uh, the next part. Right there. Oh, wait a minute. Did you get those? You might want to jot some of these down. Uh, just the one other can. The, what God's calling us to do that can only be done together. But it's not really that big a deal, right? Well, well let's go on to the next one. And, oh, wait. Let, let's do some other one. Others, okay. Let's go to the next one and others. And another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. Are you kind of getting the point? These are all the one another's. These are what God's called us to be doing with for one another as we do it. This is not some little thing that is optional within the Word of God that He doesn't really talk about. It's just that we don't talk about it. Koinonia means connecting in a way that goes deeper than talking about the weather outside and to begin to talk about the weather inside. So how you doing in life right now? Is it sunny? Is it cloudy? 
stormy, cold? Are things getting hot? Too hot? The connection that has a concern for one another that goes deeper. The concern that's talked about in 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. The fellowship. This is the kind of koinonia that we're talking about here. To help one another grow in Christ. Further down the road with Christ as we do life together with one another. In fact, this same word koinonia that's used to describe the fellowship that we have that should happen between believers to get an idea of what that means and what that relationship would look like. Look with me at 1 John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 here. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. Now that word fellowship is the same one that's used in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 that we've been talking about, Koinonia, okay? So we proclaim that you've heard you may also have fellowship with us in our fellowship, it should say and, I did that by the way, I don't type well, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Fellowship's used twice there. It's the same word in the original language. It's koinonia, both places. So it is picturing, it is saying that we have a fellowship, koinonia, with the Father and the Son. When you think about your relationship with God, we think, hopefully, of one that is real, that is vital, that is close, that is intimate, that is, is filled with love. We think about that relationship, that connection, that fellowship we have with God And it is saying that we are to have fellowship with one another. The exact same word, the exact same concept. Our fellowship with one another should reflect the fellowship that we have with God. Christians being in close mutual relationship that is involved in one another's lives, connected, caring, sharing, contributing, to one another as we connect together at deeper levels sharing Christ and sharing life we find for many people what got them through rough tough times there's and some of you have experienced some of that but oftentimes I hear from people what got them through the tough times was not the word of God that they were looking at and 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 it was appropriate but it didn't that that just wasn't what got them through it wasn't their prayer Praying, and they know that God hears them. They know God was there, and they prayed. But when asked what got them through, they would say it was a brother or a sister in Christ who came alongside and encouraged them. In other words, put in courage to them to trust God. To know that they're not alone. That as they press on, He will walk with them through this. If we're to have deeper connected fellowship, and as we think through this, if you're going to have this kind of deeper connected fellowship, uh, it, it almost goes without saying, but it needs to be said that it, we don't necessarily are going to have, we are not necessarily going to have deeper connections with everyone who is in the church, therefore. I mean, there are definitely times where we need to be drawing our circles a little bigger than what they already are. But we, we've tried to be planning for 70 in each service, right? 
we're not going to be able to have that deeper, connected kind of relationship we're talking about with 140 different people. At least most of us are not built that way by God. To be able to have that kind of, of fully... So don't feel guilty that you don't have the close personal relationship with every single person. But to begin where he has you, to begin in the circles that you're already in and to draw your circle a little bigger and bring others in to have true biblical fellowship with. You know, as we think about what this is about, we show how strong the church is by how strong how strongly connected we are to one another. How strong our church is is based on how strongly connected we are to one another. Now that doesn't make any sense if church to you is just a building or church is an organization. But only church is us. It's a people. And how strong we are is how strong we are together, connected. And I know there are things that come along that try to disconnect us and an enemy who wants to do that. And so next week, as we finish out this series, part two of fellowship will deal with unity. Not like we don't need to hear that in today's day and age, right? But as you're thinking about what is right now, today, I know there are some that, uh, the phrase out there, or that some are saying... Well, welcome to the new normal. And you know what? Uh, No, I don't accept that. But here's the thing. I also don't accept, let's go back to the old normal. Because the old normal, let's think even of what we've just been talking about in fellowship. Is that really what's being lived across in all our churches? Is that really... Are there things that that we go back to that God doesn't want us to go back to? Could it be that all of this and all of this that has happened, that God wants to use it to get our attention, that God wants to show us because we were driving along this road that thinking, well, fellowship is when I just sit around and talk with someone on Sunday morning for a few minutes. But now that road's closed, you get this road closed sign that was on it, and then what do we do? For some, oh, I guess I just won't have fellowship. That's not what biblical fellowship is. We don't need to go back to the old normal. We need to go forward. Off this road that we're on, onto the road that God's trying to get our attention to take us on to a different road. To the road that He talks about in His Word. That we should all be living, all those who call themselves Christians. Could it be that much of what's going on, if not directly, indirectly, a wake-up call? For God to bring good out of this time and make us stronger, He wants to make us stronger as a church, as a fellowship, as those who fellowship with one another building a wider foundation, living out and living in line with all, all the fundamentals we should. as so the worship team would come. This deals with our fellowship, getting our fellowship in line 
which means, as it says here at the very bottom there, we need to get back to a fellowship that is living our lives together in deeply connected relationships. We should want this. God wants this. God has provided the Holy Spirit to bring this about. Oftentimes we say, I want it, but I just don't know how to do it. And I, I, I try, go along for a while, and it doesn't work. Understand, God is, doesn't just tell us to do things without also giving us the tools and the power to do it. That's the Holy Spirit is the one who unites us. And it says that God, in Romans, that God pours out His love into our hearts. Much of this has to do with love, love to one another. And it, it may not be something that we feel we have within us, but it is something that God pours within us. And we need to let this love be poured out. To not be the dead sea as He's pouring it in, but to recognize that we need to be more than that to pour out His love. His love that never fails. His love that all that we experience as we think about His love, it's not just for us. It is for all. As we recognize, as we do this, that Jesus is in our midst. And Jesus, it is to you we pray that you would solidify this in our hearts and our minds and that we would make that decision to follow through. It may be just changing our whole mindset and thought in our head and in our heart about fellowship, recognizing the essential nature. And that it goes beyond what we have religiously made. It helps us to get real and get right with your word and what we're to be. We can't do this on our own. We need your help. Pour out your love even now. And allow us, when we're together, to recognize you, Jesus, in our midst. In your name.